welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, good morning again, and uh, I am excited about this new series called The Bride. If you have your Bibles or um, your phone, if you'll turn to Revelation chapter 2, this is where we're going to be hanging out today. Um, and if you are a guest with us today, we want to say thank you so much for being here. Um, just be a part of the family today and, uh, and enjoy what God has for you. So the series The Bride, as we had already seen in that video intro, is really, um, John was on this island of Patmos. Uh, the island of Patmos was actually a Greek island. Actually, I'll show you where that is. There's a picture here on Google Earth. It'll scroll right into where that is, give you an idea where Patmos is. It's a small little island off of uh, Greece. Uh, it is a Greek island. The island of Patmos was actually um, very similar to what we would say Alcatraz was for us off of California um, from San Francisco, that it really was a, a place to put prisoners, and it's surrounded by water, and John was placed on this island because, uh, according to the officials, he was a bad boy. His bad boy was that he was leading people to Jesus and disturbing the, uh, the religious order of the time. And so uh, they didn't know what to do with John. They, they put boiling oil over him, hoping that would kill him. And the Lord miraculously saved him from that. But they finally shipped him off to this island uh, of Patmos. And at that point in time, uh, he had this revelation. And this is what the book of Revelation is, is the kind of the download that was given uh, by Jesus to John. And uh, Jesus had some things to say about seven churches. As we had said, these seven churches were actual churches in modern day Turkey that existed during the time of that revelation. And, and John wrote, penned these things down and got them to these churches. Why is it important though for us today? Why do we call this series The Bride if we're talking about seven churches? The reason it is important is because as Jesus had something to say to each one of these churches, typically he would say, this is the things you're doing great, but here is some, also some things that I need you guys to work on. You've kind of gotten off course a little bit. It's a great reflection for us as the church to be, begin to say, okay, how do we measure up? Uh, were we hitting the mark and were we off course a little bit? Now, why do we say the bride? Well, it really is because this imagery of this relationship that Jesus wants to have with us, his church, his church being people, not a building, people like you and I were called his church, his bride. There's a point in time when Jesus is going to return to earth and he is going to be our groom. I know it's kind of a weird image for you guys out there. <laughs> I don't get that. But just hang with me. We're talking spiritually here. That Jesus is going to return looking for his church to be ready to, be, um, to, to receive this, this relationship together. So right now we're kind of in this, this uh, betrothal area, this engagement time where we're trying to be faithful. We've given ourselves to Jesus. If you're here today and you haven't given yourself to Jesus yet, that's cool. Check this out. God is calling us. There's a reason why you're here today. This is not a mistake that you are here today. God has something for you. But those who have already given their life to Christ, I'm feeling I'm already doing a lot of talking here this morning. <laughs> it's like, go, go, go. But those who have already given their life to Christ 
are in this place of trying to be faithful to Him and living their life in a way that is going to be ready for His return. Hence, what we're going to learn from these seven churches. So the first church that we're going to look at is the church of Ephesus. And Jesus had some really important things to say about it, but summed it up this way. He goes, but this one thing I have against you, which is you've kind of lost your first love. Now, you don't need to put that up there quite yet, because I'm going to tell you a little story first. Have you ever been at the place, if you're married, you probably remember what it was like when you first were dating your spouse or even your engagement period or when you first got married. There are certain things that you did at first that you might not be doing today. The love notes, the flowers, those extreme things that you would do to try to win somebody over or to express your love. I know for, uh, for me, I, uh, it is a memory that came back not too long ago. Actually, probably just three weeks ago, and I'd forgotten about it. But when we had first gotten married, it was probably in the first year. I was married in 1993. I know it seems like so many years ago. But anyways, uh, my wife had gone off to work. We had only one car. For some reason, I had the day off, and I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a beautiful meal for her while she's away at work, and I'm going to surprise her. Well, when I started scrounging around for looking for where the ingredients were, I, I just did not, could not find all the ingredients that I wanted to make this a super special meal. Well, you have to understand where I lived at the time. When I first got married, I bought this little white house um, in amongst these fields. Now, I lived in a little town called Chesterville, which was just about 45 minutes outside the big city of Ottawa, the capital city of Canada. If you've ever been to Ontario, it's flat, and it's a lot of farm country, and, and you go field to field to field, and then here's my white little house amongst all these fields. Well, it was winter time, and I decided that, you know what, my deep love for my wife was so important, I need to express it to her, that I got my backpack on, and I decided that I was going to do some fence hopping and run to the store. Problem is, the store is about three miles away, and, uh, and the shortest way to get there was through fields. I remember getting caught on barbed wire as I'm trying to go through these fields in the snow, and it was cold, but I got to the store, and I got my supplies, and I came back home and made this nice meal. My wife, she came home. She was very impressed to say the least. Yes, thank you. I got a point for that. But I don't clap because here's the deal. That's 20 some years ago. <laughs> do I still do that? Would I still go to that extent to express my love? I hope I would. <laughs> I might not be able to run that far, but <laughs> I hope I would. But think about it for a moment. Do you still do those things that you once did to express your love when you first fell in love. Now, young people, there's some young people here, just so you can understand it. Maybe you haven't experienced that yet, and I'm glad you haven't if you're young, but you've watched the movies. Even Disney movies have all about the love's first kiss. You know those movies, so you can understand. But I also think you can understand what happens when you get complacent in a relationship. 
You just go through the routine of life. You just kind of get through. You just kind of, yeah, you just go through the motions. You almost get religious with your routine. And then all of a sudden you realize that you, you like each other. You even say you love each other, but your actions sure don't show it. And this is exactly what Jesus was saying about the church of Ephesus. Let's read this together. Revelation chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Let me stop there real quick. First service, I forgot to mention what this is, just in case you're wondering. These stars and lampstands really kind of represent um, the messengers or the angels who oversee these churches. So that's all he's referencing right there. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. These are all the things that says, I'm commending you for these things. But I have this against you. Okay, here we go. I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works that you did at first. Basically, remember when you first fell in love, how the things that you used to do, begin to do those again. Yet this I have this, yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. All right, this church in Ephesus, the, the city of Ephesus, if you kind of picture where Turkey is, it is on the western coast. Uh, of modern-day Turkey today. And, and this, this city was a, was a city filled with uh, paganism, idolatry. Here we, we see some of that. We see that they didn't put up with the, the works of the Nicolaitans. These are people who followed Nicholas. They were kind of a sect. They were following kind of this pagan side. There's some Christianity in it, but there's also a lot of paganism in it. They've probably followed a lot of the other kind of views of Balaam, and Balaam was a, a kind of a religion in that era as well. But the problem with all this false practices is part of their worship was sexual immorality. I mean, just crazy things that obviously did not line up with the Word of God. And so he's saying, I, I love the fact that you've separated yourself from these. Also there, there was the temple. Uh, the temple of Artemis was also in this city. And it, was, it really was the central worship of Artemis. Artemis was a, uh, a Greek goddess, if you will. And if you know any of your Greek mythology, 
Leto and Zeus had kids, had twins, and you have Artemis was one of them, and you had Apollo was the other one. But they worshipped Artemis in this temple, and Artemis was this kind of um, wilderness goddess. If you want to go hunting and, and catch a lot of wild uh, animals for your food, you'd go to the temple and worship Artemis. But the problem was, this was all pagan, and this was all idolatry. And so the Christians at that time knew how to separate themselves from kind of a corrupt culture, a pagan culture. And God says, I, I like that about you, that you have separated yourself, but in the process, you've actually become a little religious. You've actually become, you know, ineffective to reach people who don't know me. Because you've done this thing of separation, in other words, you become very holy, very religious, but yet you've lost the whole love relationship that Jesus has designed for us to have with him. This is why he says, this one thing I have against you, you you've lost your first love. So in essence, he's saying, love like you did it first and do what you did at first. Love what you did at first and do what you did at first. I believe we have a slide. Yes. Love like you did at first and do what you did at first. Just think about your relationship with Jesus. When you first came to him, you were overwhelmed by what he has done for you. He's taken away all the junk of your past. He's taken away all this guilt and shame, and he gave you a new life. And you were like, so like, I cannot believe he's done that for us. And, and you're so excited to share your faith with others. You're so excited to read the Bible. And actually, for the first time, it somewhat makes sense. And you're so excited to have this relationship but then over time, whether it's the cares of the world or whether it's just becoming routine or whether you just get a little religious, all of a sudden you no longer have this love relationship. And as a result, you no longer are doing the things that you once did that would bring life to others. That would bring life into the relationship. You see... Being a follower of Jesus is not about do's and don'ts. Now, there are some do's and don'ts here because he loves us. What good father or what good parent would say, you know, go live free and whatever you want to do, do what you want to do. No, they say, please don't do this because it's going to hurt you. It's the relationship. And this is the very thing that Jesus is telling them. It's like, You've done a great job of no longer kind of living in a pagan way, but as a result, you're no longer being effective to influence the culture you're in. I wonder how much of us fall into the same category of where's our influence in the culture today? Love like you did at first and do what you did at first. You see, this church had a way of separating itself into being moral, being good, 
But in their effort to keep themselves almost the sense of, of morality, they lost their power to love others, to do the very thing, to, to express their love to others. And Jesus had something to say about that. And he says, return, return to the way that it was. Remember that time when we first had this love relationship. Return to that place where there's going to be freshness, where it's going to allow you to come alive. When people have struggles in their marriage and they come to us and they ask, hey, we need, we're stuck. We're stuck in our marriage. Things aren't great. We, we do want to be committed to each other, but we're just kind of like existing and it's just not great. And we will typically give this advice. Say, remember when you first were dating, how much you were crazy about each other? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Tell me a story of some crazy things that you did when you were first dating to, to express that love. And always the guy will be like, the guy's always on the hunt, right? So the guy will tell the good story about, you know, the crazy things to, he did to express this love to hunt her down and win the prize. And I see the woman, her eyes light up. It's like, yeah, oh, that's the kind of man I want. You know, it just takes a little spark of remembrance to say, well, then this is where you're at, pretty dry and pretty stagnant. I'm bringing you back to the way that you once had a relationship and you guys loved each other, loved chasing each other down and loved talking on the phone till two o'clock in the morning, just chit-chatting about nothing. You know how it is. But we don't do that anymore. And so my advice to them, I says, you go home and you start doing the things that you once did and see how this is going to rekindle a relationship. And if they truly will do those things, the relationship gets rekindled. And this is what Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus it's great that you're trying to do all these right things. But you've lost the very thing, which is what I have the most passion for, which is a relationship with you. But here's the thing about that. It's our first love for Jesus that is needed for us to be effective change agents for our city. Okay, so here's where I just made a turn for you, just in case you were wondering. I, I turned the car. We're going down a little bit different side street now. It's about a relationship with Jesus, yes. It says, return to my first love, but why? So we can do the things that we once did. So I've shifted the car to now no longer just the relationship with me and Jesus. It's now why. The why is so we can begin to love the way that Jesus wanted us to love, which is to care for people who are facing hopelessness, who are facing desperation of saying, what is life all about? 
So that's why our first love for Jesus is needed for us to be effective change agents for our city. This past week, we had a great opportunity at our area pastors gathering. I don't know if you're aware of this, but monthly we get together with all the area pastors and we pray together and we, we want to make sure there's unity amongst us. Well, we had the privilege of Eric Adams, who's on the police uh, department. He oversees all the drug stuff in the, in the city, as well as um, deputy chief from the fire department, Sean. And, uh, and he's the first responder. His crew's the first responders when people overdose on drugs. Then we had uh, some other people in this meeting. We had Claire uh, Pearson from Stand Up Laconia. We had Kathy Sorrell from Faces of Hope. And we came around this conversation and Eric Adams says, you know what though is the challenge in this city? He goes, people don't have hope. People are so hopeless that they find themselves in these negative places, in these negative environments. And drugs, it numbs them, yes, but it still leaves them hopeless. And he's coming to the church and he's saying, church, would you partner with us and do something about this with us? What a privilege we have to have somebody ask something of us like this. Next, I was at, a, at an event, their, kind of their annual meeting uh, for Laconia um, Lakes Region Community, what is it called? Lakes Region Community Services. Services. Christine is the... Um, is the executive director over there. Amazing organization. They, they care for people who have disabilities as well as provide all these services to families who are struggling. And she says, thank you so much for, for coming and being a part of what we're doing and seeing what we're doing. To me, that was an image that I had. If we were just to be separated from the world and we just kind of like... I just got to do my Bible reading today. I just got to listen to my worship music in my car today. I've got to be in church on Sunday and my life group on Wednesday. And thankfully, I don't have to, I can be in my little protected bubble because the world is scary out there. And I don't, well, I don't know how to function in this world that's, that's kind of, ooh, it's kind of dark and sketchy. But when we live that way, we are no longer effective to reach the very people that Jesus wants to reach, which is those who need hope, who are hopeless. You see, Jesus came um, to this earth and he hung out with the most hopeless people, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the ones that were struggling through life. Jesus loved to hang out with them. The ones that Jesus typically had a problem with were the religious ones, the Pharisees. Call them a brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs. And what he's saying is if we're not careful, we can lose our love relationship with Jesus. And if once that happens, then we become religious and when we're religious, we no longer care and love for the people that we're called to love and care about, which is the very people that need us to be the church for them.
Our cities are filled with people who are hopeless, who need Jesus. But it starts by us returning back to our first love and remembering how that was when we first met Jesus. Because if we don't, we're just going to go through the motions. And we're going to play church. But the cost is that we're not going to reach people who need Jesus. For me, I don't want that on my watch. I don't want that when I'm going to come before Jesus at some point in time. I want him to say, you know what? You gave it all. And you know what? I don't know if I'm capable. I don't even know how to do this, except one thing. Jesus says, if I return to my first love and realize that it's that love relationship with him that will transform my life and keep a fresh relationship so it can, people can see Jesus in me, and then he compels me to love others the way that he's loved me, that's what changes things. So what he asks us to do and what he's asked the church of Ephesus to do, he says, repent. That word, maybe not great word. I mean, it's, it's the word, but we nobody likes this idea of repent. It sounds so negative. All it really means is this. You're trucking down this way. Stop. Self-identify where you're at. And saying, oh, if I'm off course a little bit, you turn around. This is the way you want me to go? Okay, I'll go this way. Repentance really just means I'm changing direction. I'm stopping and changing direction to go the right direction. I came across a song this week um, from Sanctus Real. I thought it really... It resonated with me, number one, but two, it really it fit this message of returning back to our first love. And why that's so important. So when Jesus tells this church of Ephesus to repent, I, I wonder if it's also, as we apply it to our life and our setting, that we might take this moment and have an opportunity to look at where we're at. Have we become religious? Have we become kind of lukewarm? Or are we at this place where we still find our relationship with Jesus fresh and exciting? And I'll tell you what, I need this message because I need to be reminded that I've got to keep my relationship with Jesus fresh. And if I don't, it's so easy just to become religious. And Jesus doesn't really care about religion. He cares about relationship. Listen to this song together and let the Lord speak to your heart as we listen together.
couldn't wait to show up early and find your place. Cause you didn't want to miss a thing. And your heart was open, ready for change. Oh, those days, you were never afraid to sing. Never afraid to lift your hands, didn't care what people would think. You were on fire, and church was more than a place, and people were more than faces, and Jesus was more than a name. Remember when you weren't ashamed. Tell your friends about your faith A time when you felt the pain Of just one lost soul that was slipping away Your heart was soft, you had radiant eyes But slowly the pressures and burdens of life Pulled you into the dark of the night Oh, where did you lose your sight? Cause you were on fire Church was more than a place And people were more than faces And Jesus was more than a name For oh, you were on fire You let life put out the flame But He's still calling out for you Cause He wants to light your heart again And set it on Do you remember back when that time that Jesus found you? Maybe today's your day when Jesus finds you and you need to remember this day and remember what happens when life takes a hold of you sometimes and can begin to bog you down. You forget what it is that Jesus has wanted to do through you and in you. But I wonder for us who have been walking with Jesus for quite some time, one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 30 years, 40 years,
that we need to be set back on fire. To remember what it was once like for certainly what Jesus was saying to the church of Ephesus. Would you come back to your first love? Remember what it was like. Set us on fire. Allow us to feel again. Allow us to come back alive again. The anecdote, the solution that Jesus had for the church of Ephesus was to repent. To say, acknowledge that, you know what? I have gotten a little dry. I have just kind of gone through the motions for a while. And I've lost that fervency to, I don't even know when the last time is, I told somebody about Jesus, (laughs) shared my faith. I don't even remember the last time that I just like could not hardly wait to get to church. But now I do just because it's a thing to do. I'm going to ask us to do a bold thing this morning. If that's you where you feel like, you know what, maybe I've just become a little complacent. You know where you are. And you know if you need to respond. For me, I want more of that freshness of when I first came to Jesus. I do. And if that is you, where you're saying, you know what, I've just, I want to return back to my first love that's you, would you just rise to your feet? I want to pray for us. Father, this morning, we want to remember what it was like when we first came to you. Set us back on fire. We're coming to you today, Jesus, to say, I don't want to be complacent anymore. I want to return to my first love. So I can begin acting like the way I used to act, which is fully alive. Sharing my faith with others excited to be a part of what you're doing, Jesus. We just want to say sorry for allowing life to creep in, to allow the routine of following you to just be routine. I'm sorry, Jesus. Today we're coming back to a freshness And we're going to start doing the things that we once did to rekindle the fire in our hearts to have this relationship with you that you so, so earnestly desire. Not just doing good things for the sake of doing good things, but God, we we want to live fully alive for you, sharing our life with others that will bring hope to others. 
our city needs us. Our city needs us to be agents of hope to bring this city back to life, to partner with all these amazing organizations and people who are looking for people who have answers. Jesus, we don't have the answer, but we're in relationship with you who does have the answer. Set us on fire. Fill us with your spirit. Renew us. Rekindle a fresh love for you, Jesus. And Father, if there's anybody here today that today's their day, they're going to start this journey with you. Let them feel your presence. Let them know that you want to have this relationship with them. Put their spirit on fire today, Lord. Let today be the day they have this new and fresh relationship. God, for each one of us, it is my prayer that we would be the church. We would be your bride that you're pleased with. That we're ready. We're living in the way that you want us to live. Not just, not legalism, not rules, none of that stuff, but in relationship with you that's going to set this community on fire. That's going to bring hope to a hopeless community. That's going to restore broken lives. That's going to give healing to those who are so broken, their hearts are broken. Father, continue to use us for your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.